welcome to the Momgasm podcast. Blending motherhood, self-connection, sensuality, and pleasure. Normalizing what it means to be a mother and a sexual being. Welcome to this week's episode of the Momgasm podcast. This week, we're getting a lot personal and a little deeper than service level. So this week's episode comes with a trigger warning as we're diving into our experiences and more importantly, some of the processes of healing from sexual trauma and a lot of Sarah's journey back to a safe space in the bedroom. Get ready, get cozy, and turn it up. Yes, I remember that song. Who sang that song? Britney Spears. It must have been. I thought Britney's right away. Fucking terrible. Give me, give me more. Give me more. Give me, give me more. (laughs) Wow. I've not thought of that song in a long ass time. (laughs) Jesus. Such a bad song. Uh, But I bet at the time we fucking loved it. Uh... When it came on, I bet we fucking We thought danced. we were naughty as fuck and, like, danced. And we're like, ooh, we're saying give me more like a dick. Ooh. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, like, 15. And I want to find out, like, what the year this came out. Probably, like, I... 2000. I don't know. Give me more Britney Spears. Give me, give me more. I feel like you should play it. Oh. Is there no official video? What? There's Yes, there is. I remember. I, like, can... I think she was, like, wearing black. Isn't that when she, like, had a black... Black hair or black wig or something. I vaguely remember this. It's going to bug me now. Um, so, what the fuck? There's like no official video. That's okay. I'm going to find the song and it's going to change your life. It's Gimme More. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, now we're playing it twice. That can't happen. Okay, this is the official video. Oh 2012. Yes, that's... that's we were not that long ago. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I feel, I'm like, like, can we like skip to... Yeah, it's when she dyed her hair dark. Yeah, right? Yeah. And we were like, ooh, Britney's black and she's badass! Britney's edgy! Fuck, speaking of edgy, tonight's topic is a little bit, uh... A little bit edgy, maybe? It's a little bit deep. A little bit deep? A little bit deep. Like I like it in my puss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deeper. Go deeper. Deeper. I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of, I'm just totally squirreling off for a moment, uh, but I've been doing a lot of um, research and looking into cervical orgasm. Cervical? Mm. Cer- cervix orgasming. Yeah. Um because it's for the first time in literally ever, my cervix has gone from like painful as shit to hit in the middle of sex to like, oh, this is an interesting sensation. Ooh. So I'm kind of like, ooh, which ooh. is exciting. So I'm like, I don't understand. What is a cervical it's orgasm? This, it's when you have an orgasm from your cervix. 
Hmm. Which most people will hear that and they're like, what? That's possible? Because a lot of us have like very painful cervix. Yeah. It's really, it's really fascinating. It's really interesting. So there's this thing. I want to know like how this feels. Yeah. How do you achieve it? There's this thing called de-armoring because a lot of us do have that painful cervix where you're helping to like re-stimulate the cervix um, and break down that like tense wall and de-armoring the vagina is also, it's a weird thing to get into first, but actually it's going to be super relevant to what we're talking Mm. about because de-armoring can be something that's incredibly healing and helpful for sexual trauma for survivors. sexual trauma survivors so yeah. it's like i was like this is off topic and i'm like no it's actually incredibly on topic yeah so you can hold all of that excess tension and trauma in your tissues and then dearming is helping to resensitize and open and release the trauma and tissues mm. so that you can have an experience more pleasure mm-hmm. in these zones so what's interesting is the cervix energetically is like directly connected to your heart and your throat, I think it is. So it's like a direct connection up. And so if you're dealing with a lot of like heart pain and like love stuff or like miscommunication, something like that, Mm -hmm. that could be part of... Emotional trauma stuff, yeah. So that can be part of it. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is it's only been since my last since my free birth that it started to feel pleasurable, which I'm like, I had to do a lot of like releasing and heart opening and like trusting myself and advocating for my voice and like all of this. So it's, it's interesting to me hmm. that after that experience, it's now. Ooh, Fallon. Pleasurable. We've got a pterodactyl in the hallway. <laughs> Baby pterodactyl. Full on. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny because after Ollie and I, we, the work that we've been doing together and and uh, for our, our sexual relationship, I found that when he does go deeper, it is more pleasurable. Except for when, like, my prolapse is acting up or I'm really close to my period, then pterodactyl is still here. Um, that's the noise you make then. <laughs> yeah, that is the noise I make. I'm like, oh! Yes! <laughs> yep. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, but um, if in if I'm in my like my summer, my inner summer, yeah, um, give it to me hard. Which if you've never listened to this podcast before and don't know what an inner summer is, then if I'm ovulating, yeah, um, not hard. I want it like slow and deep. Will you? Would you prefer to be on top? Because when I like it deep, I like to be on top. No. So I find so for the first time in. Probably ever. We did doggy style the other day in the kitchen. I was leaning over the counter. Nice. In the power outage. It was great. It was great. But for the first time in probably ever, doggy style did not hurt. So I find like a lot of people will say like doggy style is a shorter, um, it shortens the Mm -hmm. thrust. But I find it shortens the thrust, but it somehow gets my cervix in the way. Mm-hmm. And so I would always get like hit in the, in the cervix while doing doggy style. And I hated it. Mm. Fucking hated it. And it took me way too long to tell him that I hated it. Mm. I'm really glad I did. And it would be like, we'd be going and it would be okay. And then he would thrust deeply. And it was like getting hit in the cervix. And I could like, I feel like I want to throw up. Mm-hmm. immediately it's like like this visceral yeah. Yeah. disgusting full body reaction i like wouldn't be able to get back in the mood typically after mm-hmm. but now 
I don't have that reaction at all. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is an interesting feeling and this is verging on pleasure. Hmm. And I like, so I find, um, like, Missionary with Legs Up. Oh, yeah. Is a really good one for getting there. I love putting like a pillow under my butt when I, we're mush missionary. I don't. It's gonna say mush mushroom mushroom <laughs> missionary on mushrooms. Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> Takes you to some other place. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Your reaction. Oh, good. <laughs> starting this episode laughing. I know. This is delightful. Um, I don't know what you were going to say. Anyway, I don't really know either because you fucked me up with your mushroomary or whatever it was. (laughs) like a pterodactyl. Literally sounds like it. That's the perfect thing to call her. She's pterodactyl. Anyway, um, it's interesting. It's intriguing me and... I want to explore it more because it's so everything I've read is like the clitoral orgasm is, is like this, like you feel it in your pelvis. Like Mm -hmm. it's you, it's deep and you feel it like in your lower abdomen and it's like this very like both localized and like full body experience. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, a steep rise and then fall like it would be with a clitoral orgasm. It's more of like a a hand is going up in a bell arc. If Mm -hmm. you're like listening to this and you're like, what? I can't see. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it can have peaks and valleys. Um, So anyway, it just sounds really intriguing to me. I found my clitoral orgasms lately have been the most intense, prolonged orgasms I've ever had in my life. Like it's to the point where, like, I remember my orgasms through clitoral stimulation being, like, a just, uh, mm. and done. Like, and then it's, I'm over with. It's like, yeah, and then I'm done. Yeah. Now, sorry, lately, okay. I gotta stretch my legs. That's okay. Lately, it's been, like, a huge buildup, and then it's my entire body, and it just keeps going wave after wave after wave. It could last, like, a full minute to two minutes. Are you sure it's just clitoral, or is this, like, internal stimulation, too? Ollie's fucking me as I'm rubbing my clit. Yeah, so it's probably not just your clit. It's probably clit and G-spot together. So it's this, like, because anytime... I'm getting both. It's that, again, very similar to you. It's like this rolling big and it continues to build. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment where it's like, I almost want to punch you in the face. It's so pleasurable. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, this is so good that I want to rip your throat like I want out. to rip his hair out. Like, I want you to stop, but also don't stop. Mm-hmm. Like, it's this really weird, right? conflicting oh, so good. feeling. So good. But at the same time... There's like, that's, that's the moment where I'm like, I'm going to grab your hips and be like, get in me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. This is like soul fucking now. Yep. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. So here is, here is, I guess here could be our, our launch question for kind of what we're talking about, which is your healing journey and kind of healing your sexual relationship post 
trauma. Yeah. I assume, I imagine, this wouldn't have always been your experience. No. No, not at all. For the longest time, the the narrative of my sex life was fear, borderline phobia, um, dreading it, just absolute negativity. Um, my introduction to sex was at a, a young age. I was eight years old. I'm not going to give the details because it's not necessary to give details. You know. Um, but I was eight years old and that was my introduction to sex. It was a very traumatic experience. So from then on, I didn't enjoy it. It was something I've said this too many times mm. and I've said this before that to me, sex was something that was always taken from me mm. that I didn't have any control over that. It was something that I always had to give away and Really, within the last year, I I remember like last summer, it was after I did Estelle's uh, SheQuest summer school, and in the middle, of, and if anyone's listening to this and you're in the area, or not even in the area, you can do it online, you should go and do this SheQuest summer school. It's not, I don't even think it's a summer school anymore. I think it's just like this thing she it's, offers Yeah, now. it's turning into a membership-based program, I believe, starting in September. It's incredible. It's probably some things have changed, but when I did it, it was the first first time that she started it. It's the first year for it. And there was like a journal and every week there was a prompt for a journal and an art piece. And I remember feeling the, the pull to do it. And it was shortly after I gave birth to Roland. Roland was born in March and the SheQuest Summer School started in June. And I remember feeling the pull to do it, and as we were going through it, it started to become more about sensuality and sexuality. And I remember, like, getting really scared, and I was like, fuck, mm. this is going to pull up some stuff for me that I don't want to deal with and I don't want to think about. Because there was a thing, even though throughout my life, since I was eight years old, I kept that secret up until I was a teenager. Mm. And I remember my best friend at the time, I think we were in grade eight, I told her... And she had, pro- she had prompted me to go and see the counselor mm. in the high school. And that was the first time I said anything. And then the counselor called my mother. And then me and my mom had the talk. And so it was kind of out. And then I think a few years later, my father found out. And so along the way, like of me gaining new friends, sometimes it would come out, sometimes mm. it didn't. So I got used to telling the story. It was mm. just a very numbing story I said what happened I said I was fine and then that was it Mm. but I always knew deep down that I wasn't fine Mm. you always know and at the time being eight years old those are such complex feelings Mm -hmm. such complex I mean the understanding of sex at that age is very basic Mm -hmm. you know if you if you do know about it it's very little that you know about it you don't know about the complex emotions behind it or the healthy relationship and so on and so forth so I didn't have the tools at that age to deal with it. So mm. obviously there's a huge chunk of unprocessed emotions that just lay dormant with inside Absolutely. me that I knew from my whole, you know, growing up that I had to deal with. And sometimes I dealt with them. I remember going to see a therapist when I was in my twenties, when Ollie and I were going through a really rough patch and I said, you know, okay, like I finally got to deal with this. This has got to come out of the closet. Like I just got to deal with every single thing that, that, that needs to be dealt with. And I remember 
going to see the therapist and like that's okay <laughs> chocolate and cheesies are like mixing in a very unattractive way in my stomach right now that's so fine might happen again i encourage these little breaks because they're good because this is a heavy topic, and as much as like I'm saying that I'm used to talking about this, it's still yeah. it's still a heavy maybe, topic. Maybe 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 it's uh, what is BHSA? If she starts oh, burping, undigested, yeah. undigested emotions. Yeah, undigested emotions. Which is funny because when I went to a meditation with her the next time, I was doing the one I was burping for everybody. I you say that was like, so weird. I'm like, yeah, maybe that is what it is. We'll see. But um, yeah, so. There was a huge chunk of unprocessed emotions. And mm-hmm. so when I did the SheQuest summer school, um, I had to start finally processing that stuff. Mm. And uh, what came out of it is what I've been working on and growing from and learning about and witnessing for the last year mm. about myself. And it's really been a hugely transformative time. And even though I was conscious that my view on sex my whole life was really negative and really dark and really lonely and really isolating, I never really understood it. I never really, really fully comprehended until this year. And especially Mm. now doing momgasm. And I remember something you said very early on when we first started doing this, because I remember very early on a listener had I think it was even before we started releasing the episodes someone had contacted you and said no it was something you posted on Lindsay Umla and they said I'm really uncomfortable with what you just posted and I'm trying to lean into it or something like that yeah you encouraged them to lean into it and as soon as you said that I was like "Ooh, okay that was some really good advice and I think that Lindsay didn't know that I needed to hear it but I needed to hear that (laughs) and that's been something that I've been carrying with me for this last however many months Mm. we've been doing this because there's been so many moments where we're doing this or we're in the den or we're just whatever's going on and I'll have this moment where I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm triggered. All right, what do I do in this situation? I'm just going to lean into it. I'm just going to feel it out because my first reaction would be to cut and run. To be like, nope, I'm going to run away from this. I don't want to feel this. This scares me. I hate it. No, 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 no. And we're talking about something that I've struggled with my whole life. Sex. Mm. Healthy, sensual, ecstatic, juicy. Consensual. Consensual, empowering Mm. sex. Mm. And so, yeah, what we've been doing these last few months has, has greatly benefited me in so many ways. Mm. And whether you've noticed it or not, or the listeners have noticed um, there's been times where I, I, over the last few months where I'll kind of, I'll go a little bit mute (laughs) where I just let you take over on the, the posting for a little while. And I let you really steer that juicy, sensual shit because there's something that I recognize that, you know, okay, like I, I got to work on this. I got to lean into this. Mm. And, and I feel like in order for me to keep doing this, I got to deal with those rough emotions. Mm -hmm. And especially if a listener comes forward and they're like, you know what? I don't like this and I feel really uncomfortable about this. Mm. I want to say to them, I'm right there with you. Mm. I'm right there with you. But it is possible to heal from all that. Mm. It is possible to go from, in my position, having almost a phobia of sex Mm. and dreading it to having the 
greatest sex of my life, the most soul-nurturing, nourishing sex that I've ever had. It's to the point where... I said this to Ollie when we were in Digby and on our little sexcation and we were talking about everything, how far we've come and all the things that we've gotten over and, and even Ollie, you know, he had a lot of things that he needed to deal with about his sexuality. Mm. And I said, honestly, I feel like I, I, not, I feel, I said, I finally, I, I'm able to forgive and understand the man mm. who did that to me. I said, I'm at this point where I have gone in so many different directions with my sexuality and, and have, <clears throat> have been in such dark places and then I've seen such light, beautiful sides and then with momgasm, mm. you know, I've just... There's so much that I'm, that I'm understanding that I'm now able to understand mm-hmm. someone at that point in their life. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about forgiveness for a minute because this is something that we can't do enough. And especially when it comes to traumatic situations, traumatic encounters, um, any time that you experience a wrong in your life. Yeah, I know for me in the past, and this is definitely a common belief that I've I've seen thread amongst many people where forgiveness feels like this giving up of power yeah. where it feels like yeah. if I forgive you I'm letting you off the hook yeah. and I'm giving away my power and I'm not holding you accountable to this action the most revolutionary moment for me was when I realized that that was the complete opposite of forgiveness like forgiveness is taking my power back because i'm not allowing you to hold me in that space of anger resentment and pain yeah. anymore i'm choosing to release that tie and take my power back yeah and say like it doesn't mean that what you did is okay but i can let it go i'm i'm not going to stay attached to this place anymore yeah I'm going to move on and I'm going to do the healing and I release you with love and I recognize that you are in pain. Like that you are, this is, yeah, this is pain. This is trauma. This is something that has not been dealt with. And this is, was your way of coping or dealing or moving through the situation or refusing to move through a situation. When I think about that man, all I think, all I see is sadness. All Mm. I feel is sadness for him and, and, yeah, for whatever he was going through, that that was how it came out for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no longer feel anger. And for my whole life, I felt fear. I felt anger so much. And it and, and that anger stemmed out to feeling anger towards really all men. Absolutely. Um, and now I'm at a point where I'm like, you know what? I understand you. And all I have for you is, is love. Because that's the only thing that is going to heal all of the pain in the world mm-hmm. is just love. And it sets you free, too. Absolutely. Right? As soon as I said those words to Oliver, that I forgave him, holy crap, it was... Yeah, it's it's changed the course of my healing. Mm, absolutely. And I don't really know how to to give advice for other people to get there, but... Yeah, I mean, it took me however many years. I'm 30 now. Mm. and I think it's 
And again, like I, nobody can speak to anybody's situation, but no. in my experience in, when it comes to forgiveness and in anything, um, sexual trauma or otherwise, there is, um, it's a decision. It's like a decision. Like there, you, there comes a time where you, you kind of make a choice to start moving into your healing work. And at some point along your healing journey, you meet forgiveness and it, it's just another step in, in the process. Mm -hmm. And it's, whether it's coaching or conversations or journaling or inner work or some mm -hmm. kind of therapy modality. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anything can get you there. Yeah. It's it's just that decision to start moving forward. And you might not be ready to move forward, and that's 100% okay, right? Absolutely. Like, there is... There Everyone's is... in a different spot. Absolutely. Um, what would you say has been, like, the... I have like three questions I want to ask you right now. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> cipher, cipher through which, which one. Watching the cogs go right. around in your uh, head. The cookie, the cookie has landed. <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. Lindsay's high again. <laughs> Actually, I haven't been in a while. No, yeah, podcast. yeah. Um, but it was, it was a day. Um, what would you say, uh, Was what is one of the biggest things that you've learned in your healing process in this in this journey thus far? The biggest thing recently that I've learned, and that was kind of like a hidden thing that really took a lot of of peeling back the layers to reveal, is that I have had, and you've heard me say this before, I have like a control power complex mm. and that is because again control was taken from me mm. and in such a traumatic way power was taken from me and I felt powerless I felt I felt little I felt defenseless I yeah and it was something that it was just always like laid dormant and it really started to show its colors to me over the last year of me and Ollie really doing the work about our sexual relationship. And I've said a few times that Ollie is not allowed to initiate. Mm. And that was a huge thing for us for a long time. And I would, I, I would say to Ollie over and over and over again, you were not allowed to come on to me if mm. we are going to have sex I'm the one that comes on to you because as soon as he came on to me, I was like a scared little girl. I went right back mm. to that eight year old little girl. I would retreat. I would get scared. I would start getting anxiety. I would just say no immediately. No, mm. I don't want to. Nope. And that was, that was the dynamic of our sexual relationship for many years was an immediate no. Mm. And I remember the, the irony in it is that Ollie, his personality he is a very cautious man. And mm. whenever I ask him to do something new or like some kind of difference, like change, his immediate reaction is no. <laughs> and I would always get on about it. I'm like, you need to say yes more. You need to be a yes man. Because I was more impulsive. I was more of the risk taker. I would yeah. go on the adventures. I'd break the rules. I would hop over the fence and take right. him with me. 
And I always get on for it. And then when it was reversed, I was like, no, 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 you can't sit. No, yeah. I make the rules. Okay? I, I make them and I can break them. You exactly. Can't. And really only thing within the last six months have I really started to dig deep mm. into that and realize how deep it's got its claws into me. Also, um, absolutely coping mechanism and like yep. a reflection of what you had taken from you in that moment. Yeah. But do you feel that it would also be fair to say that it's a defense mechanism? And what, what do you mean? Like it's, if you're in control, you're protected, you're safe. Yep. Right? Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> Really, the last couple of weeks, this is a conversation that Ollie and I had. I think it was last week. It was while I was trying to edit one of the episodes. And right before we started editing the, I started editing the episode, Ollie and I kind of got into a disagreement. We got into an argument where he was saying that I... He, he basically wanted to be more intimate with me. Mm. I, I wasn't being intimate enough with him. And in that moment... It, the conversation just wasn't going where it needed to go. And Ollie recognized that. And, you know, he wasn't being a very good listener. So later on, he came downstairs. He was like, I apologize for the way I was up there. He's like, it's not that I want you to be more intimate. He's like, I just feel like um, the focus is on you when we're having sex. Mm. And he's like, and I would sometimes like the focus to be on me. And I said to him, I was just like, honestly, Oliver, I was like, I agree. I, I 100% agree that it's a little bit unfair that mm. I expect you not to come on to me. I then expect all the focus to be on me and about mm. my pleasure. And I, and I recognize that, you know, there's an issue there where I need to really let, let, let my barriers down. Mm. And so within the last couple of weeks, whenever we are, having sex I was practicing letting go of control and I was literally opening like my everything to him and I was letting him do whatever he wanted to do ravish me and that was something I would never allow like it all was all very like structured Mm. you know what I mean like we did the foreplay and I knew what exactly what kind of foreplay it was going to be it would be for this length of time so it's so very similar to like every Pornhub video you've ever seen where it's like Three minutes of hand hand stuff, yep. and then three minutes of a blowjob, yep. and then three and a half minutes of it was like someone clit, was directing, us. and then this many minutes of doggy, mm-hmm. this many minutes of on top, this many minutes, and of this, then we and would then both we come. end here. Yeah, <gasps> it was exactly that because I couldn't handle yeah. a surprise. I yeah, couldn't yeah. handle him to try to do something different because it would scare me like a scared little Absolutely. girl. Absolutely. So. Actually, it was... That would be hard, though. Very hard. Fuck. Very hard. And Ollie is like you where he... Kudos to Ollie, man. Yeah. I... As an Aries, I would... Yeah. (laughs) Ollie... I have said to him so many times over the years where I, you know... I, I, I felt like what happened to me tainted me and that he would be better off with a normal girl, someone Mm. who could give him what he needed in the bedroom, not some tainted little girl. And the whole time that I would say that, he said, babe, like, no, no, uh uh-uh. He's like, no. Mm. He's like, you're perfect in every single way. Mm. He's like, and whatever you need, I I will do that for you to Mm. help you along this way. And that's been the dynamic for 12 years. He's... 
He's really, he's just been so fucking supportive. And whenever I say stop, he stops. Mm. You know? Which everyone should do. Yeah. No matter your background, history, situation. Consent is so fucking important. So important. Like, the minute anyone says stop, whether it's with their words or with their body... No, you check the fuck in. You stop and you check the fuck in. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you've known each other forever. I don't care if you've been, like, fucking every day for the last year or doing that thing every day for the last year. Mm -hmm. And this goes both fucking ways. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not exclusive to um, a heteronormative couple and, like, specifically to girls. No. Yeah. Anyone. Anyone in the bedroom at any time or in any situation. No. Stop. Drop it. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Yeah, there's been times where, like, Ollie is just wanting to 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 show me affection, and I can't handle it. I'm just like, stop. Just don't, don't. Like, there's been times mm. I'm like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't do anything. And he's just like, okay. And he just backs away, Retreat. and he gives me my space. And he doesn't, like, make a big deal out of it. He's mm. just like, I get it. Okay. It's all right. It's okay. Mm. And now we're at this point where... Man, I love our sex life right now. We're at this point where I'll tell him, like, say, I'm in my summer. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, I, I, I just want to fuck. Like, I just want to fuck. I want it to be, like, ravenous. And then when I'm in my autumn and I'm, like, you know, about to go into my bleed, I'm like, no, I, I think I need more, like, cozy, like, emotional mm-hmm. connection. And he gives it to me. Like, he, he just, he gets it. I'm like, I just need to cuddle and I need to. And, like, I'll even say to him, like, I need you to tell me that I'm safe and that I, um, that, um, I'm protected and that nothing, you know, like, like, like he is my cocoon. Mm. And sometimes he'll say in the middle of sex, like if I, if I notice that I'm starting to get a little bit scared, like, cause it could still happen. Absolutely. He'll, he'll do, I'll say, babe, I need you to tell me that I'm protected. He's like, okay, you're safe. You're protected. I've got you. And then we can go right back into it. Like, and that's, I'm not something that I, I guess I really want to emphasize for other women who are, who, I guess you don't have to be a sexual trauma survivor, but for the women I do know Mm. that have come forward to me and said, you know, this is how I'm feeling. This is what happened to me. I can't emphasize enough knowing your safe space Mm. and checking in with yourself Mm. weekly, daily, because you never know what's going to trigger you. Yep. You never know. And I, I never understood it how often I was triggered. Yep. How often I still am triggered. I mean, mm. I was just triggered a couple weeks ago. Mm. Anything can trigger me. And I'm now at this point where as soon as I, I can feel it, because it's a very visceral, physical reaction where I start, I can feel the heart palpitations and and I can feel my mind reeling and all these other things. I, as soon as I feel that, I start to breathe and I just remind myself I'm safe. And what this person or whatever has triggered me, it's outside of my body. It's Mm. not physically harming me. Like, you know, I Mm. just, I go through the motions. And then Ollie is really, like, I remember you saying that that person at your birth was your, was your touchstone, your emotional Mm. touchstone. Ollie is really that for me. As soon as I know that he touches me, I can like, like, I just like go into it. And I guess I'd emphasize that for anyone who deals with anxiety or trauma or anything mm. like that. Have that, have someone who can be your touchstone. Yeah. 
so that when you are triggered, you can immediately touch them or like they, yeah. they can say something, say a safe word, like even a code word so that they can say it and that you know that they recognize that you're in this state. Because mm. I remember Ollie and I having that years ago when I was really, when we were in therapy and I was, it was, I was going through a really tough time. It was a whole year of just being triggered. And I remember Ollie and I having these code words. And it was, it, I, at this point in my life, I didn't really have the words, the tools, the narrative mm. to articulate the trauma that I experienced and, and how it was affecting me. So instead we would have code words and they were really silly. They were literally like words of animals. There was wombat. There was like, I think there was like hedgehog or like something stupid. And as soon as I said that word, Ollie would know what kind of state and emotional state I was in mm. and what I needed without me needing to say anything. It was something that we talked about one night and I was like, I just need to say this word and for you to do X, Y, and Z for me. Mm. And so for a whole year, we would have these, these code words. And That's awesome. And yeah, they, they were such a huge tool in my healing process in that point in my life. Okay. Huge. Yeah. Man, I can only imagine. Yeah. It's sex is such a complex topic. No matter mm-hmm. who you are, no matter what you've been through in your life, it is yeah. complex. And, and the thing the thing that I think is really important in a conversation like this or just in the conversation of sex in general is that every experience that you have will affect how you show up in the bedroom. Yep. And how you receive in the bedroom. Yep. So, I mean, it also affects how you exist and appear outside of the bedroom as well but the bedroom is the place where you're the most vulnerable and so it's so it's so much clearer to see the glaring stories that are potentially keeping us trapped somewhere yeah when it comes to the bedroom and what we're what we're willing to experience there because sex is vulnerable it requires vulnerability And when vulnerability is not there, it's really easy to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then from there, to, to start start piecing things together. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like a friend relationship or a working relationship, yes, those things are still going to be there, those little red flags. But unless you're looking for them or you're somebody like me who's like obsessed with people yeah. and like just intuitively connects to, to people's shit. Yeah. <laughs> to people's shit and people's stories and people's um experiences, then you're you're probably not gonna know for years. Yeah. Or even suspect anything for years and years and years. Yeah. But sex, man, you that shit you are naked in every sense of the word when it comes to every sex. Every sense of the word. And vulnerability is is has been a really hard thing for me to feel comfortable with. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? But it's since deciding to be vulnerable over the last couple of months and and, and in doing this very episode, because mm. I would never... Honestly, when we started Momgasm, this this was not something I wanted to talk about. I just want to talk about the positive stuff. Mm. But this is this is real. This mm. has been something that's affected me, and it's something that has empowered me to have the sex life I have today. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I understood was that to 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 heal 
my sexuality, I had to empower my sexuality. And my, mm. my frame of mind was always to, to ignore, to, to only deal with it when it came up, but to never, to never dig into it, to never explore it, to never find the positive in sexuality. Mm. And I, fi- I think this is, this should be true for everyone, no matter what you've been through is we all need to empower our sexuality mm. because like you said, so many things that happen on the outside affect what happens Absolutely. in the bedroom. Absolutely. Everything, everything. And the hardest thing to do is to be a vulnerable person and to share your story, to share your honesty mm. and to share that with someone who you do share the bedroom with. And as much as it might be scary to do that and to let them know about your dark side, your shadow self, your those hidden secrets that have laid dormant for so long, as soon as you do that, as soon as you open that box, you lay that bear, you let yourself be vulnerable. You then open up this mm-hmm. whole other place where you can, where you can, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, where you, I don't want to say you can have glorious sex. But you, you have, you've opened up the portal of potential. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you, you, it's, it's not, okay. And this is what I like to say with, with anything. So it's like. Um, I do a lot of work with women in self-love and for a while I've had a company that's dedicated to helping women love themselves. And in order to love yourself, it takes vulnerability because you do have to know your shit and what you need and what's going on. And you have to be vulnerable enough to ask and command for what you need in a space, in a relationship, in a job, in whatever the case may be. And there's also this declaration that you make to yourself. And we've talked about declarations on the podcast before um, with Bahia. Fuck, I keep forgetting I have a tattoo and slamming it on the table and it really hurts. Um, sort of, that was so distracting. Uh, but anyway, we've talked about de- declarations before and it's like when you make that declaration to either lean into your healing, your trauma, your, etc. Because you have to lean into your trauma in order to heal from your trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're saying yes to that piece of vulnerability. It's it's not going to be automatically like everything is hunky-dory. I'm healing. I'm great. Or using the example of self-love. Yes, I've, I've made the declaration. I've, I've said yes to myself. I'm going to start loving myself. We have this idea that like once we just have to do it once and then everything is yeah. great. No, yeah, what no. we're doing is we're all, we're flinging the door wide open and we're letting everything in. So there's going to be a lot of dark, sticky shit that comes yeah. in, but all of that light is able to come in with it. Yeah. And the more that we allow it to come in, we're then going to start filtering that and processing that instead of trying to keep that door closed and only letting little cracks mm-hmm. come out. We're just experiencing all of it and leading into all of it and accepting all of it and being vulnerable in all of it. And as we do that, we're filtering the process and it gets the balance of light to dark starts to shift over time, but it is gradual progression. And for some of us, that progression might happen really quickly for others. It might take years and years and years. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with your rate of healing. No. Even if you experience the same trauma as somebody else, Um, and for you, it takes five years to even talk about it or 20 years to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. And somebody else, it takes two nights to talk about it and start healing from it. That doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't make, um, your trauma or your experience any less valid or, um, 
there's no comparison because we're all different people and we all have different life trajectories and we all heal at different rates. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to say there. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. So in, I'm, like, I'm a, it's really interesting, actually. So I'm a firm believer in talking about these things. I think, I mean, vulnerability will change your life. Um, when we speak about things, we then empower Mm-hmm. others by stepping into our own power. So it's like when you see somebody who is empowered, who's somebody who is like fully tapping into their power, speaking their truth, being vulnerable, it then gives you this kind of sense of permission to do the same and also encourages yeah. you yep. to do the same. Yep. Right. So, I mean, there was this really crazy thing that happened with the me too movement in the last are we in year two now? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. 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 So in the last two years, and that was revolutionary for a lot of people. It was also highly triggering. Highly. For a lot of people. And so I guess before I kind of finish what I was going to say, what was that experience like for you? Whoo. Because I had a, an interesting reaction with that too. It was very, 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 very triggering. Um, as much as I wanted to be a part of the conversation, mm. and I did put in my little two cents, I I couldn't read any more stories. Absolutely, I had to stop. I I think I maybe read maybe the first couple of days. You know the stories worth, and especially if they're close friends, I read it. But yeah, it uh, I had to do a lot of damage control for sure. A lot. I know. I know. Actually, a few people that completely unplugged from social media for a while. Yeah. Because they just it was, they weren't there yet. They weren't there in their healing journey, and it was just digging up a whole bunch of trauma that they weren't wanting to to process. And then also for any of us that are empaths or killer sentients, like we were not only having to deal with our own shit, but then we were like collectively picking up on everybody's pain and everybody's anger and everybody's like righteous rage and sadness and trauma. And yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. I can feel it all in my gut right now. Right. But at the same time, <sighs> how much has changed? Oh yeah. Because of that. Yeah. So it, it just, It was as 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 triggering as it was. It it was the catalyst. Mm-hmm. It was like a global catalyst, mm. and it just started the shift. Mm. And I think every woman on planet Earth mm-hmm. could feel it. Hundred percent. We could all feel it, and we could. We're even if I couldn't see this woman in India. I was like, I was weeping right alongside of her. And we was like, we were all holding hands together Mm. in this movement. And it was incredible to see what was happening in Hollywood and how that was coming out. And I saw, I I heard so many fucking negative, negative comments of, oh, this poor guy got dragged down. It's like, oh God. Like then it starts the whole conversation of just believe her. Just believe her. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. What did it do for you? Um, 
I was just going to say something totally different and that distracted me and made my brain hurt. Um, so it was interesting for me because it, and I think, a, I think a lot of people experience this where one of the, one of the byproducts of this movement and all of these stories being shared is some people started to downplay their story and experience. Mm -hmm. And we started to do this weird thing where we were like rating people's sexual assaults in this like, oh, well, she had it so bad and my story is nothing, so I shouldn't share it. Like, there was a lot of that. So what was interesting is I almost, I think I, sh- I don't know if I full outright shared everything. I don't think I did, but I know I mentioned it. I ended up, I sat on it for a really long time because I was doing that like, oh, well, mine wasn't that bad and blah, blah, blah. And this was the thing that I had done for years mm. because the only people that I had ever told about it or knew about it were like people that were in my immediate circle of friends who were either there and involved um or I had like an intimate relationship with so like Jeff Mm -hmm. and that was it like I didn't talk about it to anybody else because I would I immediately after it had happened had gone into like the, oh, well, it was also my fault because I went here and I did this and mm. and that same old story. Mm. And then I I kind of had done some healing and stuff around that. And I was like, no, like it, it still was not okay. It doesn't matter. Like the choices that I made, whatever. And I moved into this like kind of putting it away and putting it to bed and just letting it be mm-hmm. for a long time because it was it was it was the thing that brought me to the trajectory that I'm on now um and it was the thing that made me realize that I I was meant to be with Jeff for like infinity and beyond so it was really interesting where like all of these really good amazing things came from it it like it it was like this bumper in my life where I was like, oh, maybe I need to go this way. And it was like, no, go the other way. Mm. So yeah, I just didn't, I didn't feel the need to like drone on about it. And obviously Jeff and I had to unpack some stuff and talk about things. And he's always really cautious and he's, I'm very lucky where he's like a very sensitive man and very, very consent oriented human. And so for a while there was a lot of, a lot of moments, but mm. I, it, it was like a non-issue in like six months or less. Mm. And then we were on our trajectory to get married and all of this stuff. So it was just like, oh, it doesn't matter. And then when all of this resurgence happened, cause there had been maybe one or two times that had kind of alluded to it on my social media in, in the past, but I had never outright said anything. Mm. And then this, all of this was happening and I was like, do I share mine? Is it worth sharing? Mm -hmm. Like there was that conversation Mm -hmm. of like, is it even worth it? Mm -hmm. Who hasn't? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's fucking sad though. Like that's, and it's, I sit here and I'm like, how many more, how many more are there that we will never hear from? 
Yeah. That are living in that space of like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. There was, hearing you say that, um, reminds me of, it was probably, this was before the Me Too movement, and this was the biggest moment in, um, in my life in relation to the, to my sexual trauma where I, I outed myself. And it was, uh, it was in my last year of college and in my last year of college, we, uh, had to apprentice, uh, graphic design. We had to apprentice with a business in the city Mm. and I was paired with the Avalon sexual assault center. How perfect. Right. So at this point in my life, I was me to laugh. No, but it is. The irony is is brilliant. I was always wondering how you got there. So that's how I got there. They, uh, yeah, I was paired with them, and yeah, I think I was the only one paired paired with them at that point. Yeah. So anyway, before before I did my apprenticeship with them, we had done like a a project with them in the school, uh, and it was myself and I think. three other girls or maybe two other girls and uh jackie stevens who's now the the director of avalon she wasn't at that time but she is now she came in to do the debriefing and she met with me and the other girls and my instructor and so jackie is going through all this information that she wants us to design and in the she starts giving us statistics And one of the statistics, I believe, I could be wrong, uh, I think it said something like, yeah, one in three women have been sexually assaulted. Honestly, I believe it's higher than that. I believe it's higher than that too. But so it must have been, it must have been me and two other girls because I remember it being the exact number of girls when he said, when she said that statistic. And so my instructor, Rob, looked at us, he's like, that could be one of you. And I was like, oh, why'd you have to say that? And so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, I've actually been sexually assaulted. And everyone was like, oh, I was like, it's all right. It's cool. I can still do this project. It's fine. Like this means just, just means more to me. Yeah. And so we did the project. We had billboards around the city and on the buses. And it was one of the most cathartic things I could do for myself. And then then I started my apprenticeship at Avalon Sexual Assault Center. And this was right at the time where I was like really at the height of like my feminist mm. uh, movement. And I was protesting and all these other things. And uh, we... Um, I ended up doing the logo and rebranding the company, and the logo that they have now is still the logo that, that I know, I made. and it's awesome. Yeah, and um, so I got I ended up being invited to the the conference uh, annual general meeting, and then it was also a conference because they wanted to unveil the new logo, and the mayor was going to be there, and all these people, and just before they were going to unveil it, I think it was like an hour before the 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 meeting, whatever. Jackie comes over and she's like, would you want to do a speech? <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. 
do a speech on the fly. No, you just do a speech. So I was like, I called up my mom and I was like, I was just like kind of tearing up. And I was just like, this is like one of the most important moments of my life. Like this logo means more to me than anything I've ever done. Mm. Mom knew why. And I was like, do you think that I should say I'm a sexual assault survivor? She's like, baby girl, if you feel comfortable, if you want to say that you do it. Um, and mom and dad were on the way. They came to see the unveiling. So I do the speech and, uh, at the very end of it, after I described everything about the logo, I said, thank you, Jackie, and to the women, the center for allowing me to do this. Little did you know, I myself am a sexual assault survivor. Mm. And that moment I started tearing up and Cause that was like the moment, I mean, especially with my father being there, Yeah, I had never physically said those verbally Mm. said the words I was sexually assaulted. My mother only had the conversation with my father. I never said them. So for me to stand in front of this audience of people and say those words, I was like, (sighs) yeah, that's huge. Like it was since I was a little girl, I remember being eight years old and thinking, you know, growing up and thinking, was this all a lie? Did I? Was this something that I just made up? You know, mm. is this something that I that I just created? I knew that I didn't, but it was just so hard to believe at that time. Yeah. And in that moment, being how old was I? I was already married at that point, 22, 23 years old, saying those words and like just validating that little mm-hmm. girl and saying, you know what? Look at you now. Mm. Look at you now. And then from that point on. That's really when the hard work began and, Mm. you know, so what, that's been seven years of like doing a bunch of work and then cooling off and then doing a bunch of work and then cooling off. Mm. But this last year, it's been a lot of uncovering shit that I knew I needed to uncover, but it's also been a lot of joy and a lot of light and a lot Mm. of love and welcoming that in because my whole life has been about the shadow. Mm. It's been about the dark stuff and I didn't have a lot of light. And now it's finally about the love and welcoming that in and saying to myself, you are lovable, you are validated, you are a sexually empowered woman, Mm. you deserve to feel pleasure and sensuality, you can forgive that man, Mm. he deserves love too, you know, everyone who has hurt you in your life and has caused trauma, they deserve love Mm. and they maybe they didn't have enough and that's Mm. how it reared its ugly head for them. Mm. you know so my main mission is to just keep being vulnerable keep spreading love keep just opening up that door Mm. to receive whatever I need to receive and to let go whatever I need to let go just be Mm. open that's awesome that's definitely inspiring as fuck Um, yeah it's really interesting that so you stood in front of a stage and like declared that you're a sexual assault survivor still my parents don't know Really? Yeah, I don't know. And the other, what's really awkward. So, only last year, I told my brother, I think, last year, or the year before. We had this big, like, my brother, my sister, and I all got together, and we, my sister was getting married, and so we finally talked about sex. And, like, we kind of briefly talked about things, and we finally were having this great talk, and then I think after... Or my brother had said the reason that he had sex was because I did before I was married. And I was like, nobody, like nobody knew that. 
And then he's like, oh, mom, mom read it in your journal. And I'm like, I didn't, that wasn't consensual. Mm. So that also, moms, don't read your kids' journals. Mm. That's fucking shitty. But anyway, he had overheard my parents talking about it. And so I told him, I was like, there's no way because I didn't, I hadn't until I like moved out of the house. So I don't know how they ever would have. And then I was like, unless they're talking about the first time that I was assaulted. And then he was like, oh, so he knew and I know and Jeff knows. And my mom at one point got really drunk uh, recently. She was, she had just had like three wines deep at dinner and she was often when she's drinking, she'll say really snarky, not great comments. And I don't remember how it was phrased, but she was like, I don't know. I think I guess somebody, she felt like her mothering was challenged in some way or something. And she's like, oh, well, at least none of my kids were affected by this Me Too movement. Oh. And I was like, oh, fuck. Why the fuck would you say something like that anyway? I don't, I, oh. I don't know. But it was like this really weird moment where like both my brother and I and Jeff kind of looked at each other and I was like, But in that comment itself is exactly why I probably won't mm. tell them, right? Like it's, you don't feel the need, you don't feel, um, or that you want to. At this point, no, I don't think so. Um, although I wish I could have yeah. initially, like I wish I, I would have had a an open enough relationship with my parents that I could go to them without judgment Mm -hmm. but that's how it felt like I felt like I was going to be judged and shamed and crucified for gone and having gotten drunk at 16 and no 17 um and having met up with this guy from the internet and having like stupid friends. And so it was, and that, that like, well, I was drunk, so it's my fault Mm. conversation. And knowing that that was probably what I would have been met with. So it just, it wasn't, it didn't make sense. There was no point. There's no point. Uh, The really hard part was that I was, somebody took a video and I, that video was lured over me by this person for months, for months. And they were threatening to send it to my parents if I didn't do X, Y, Z. And that was the hard part. Cause I couldn't, I was like, what do I do? Like, what do I, what do I do? Holy shit. Right? So it was really like, I forgot about that. Whoa. That's how long. Oh man, that's heavy. I forgot about that. That's fucked. That's really. I didn't heavy. tell anyone. That's real. Yeah. No, no adults knew. And this was, actually, no. I would have had to be eighteen, I think, because I. This was, and this is a really interesting thing. This was um, weeks before my open heart surgery. 
And then I had my open heart surgery. And then I, that's why I was so drunk, like blindingly drunk when I met Jeff. Because I was like, fuck everyone. Fuck the world. This is stupid. Men are gross. This is dumb. So it was like this really weird, like lowest point of my life. How do you feel right now saying that, realizing that, remembering that? Um, like that's, it's really weird to like put myself back in that space. And like all of, all of the things that you, and this is where trauma is interesting because it's like the amount of things that you will block out. And then when it comes back, you're like, and you feel like you feel all of those things again. And like how terrified I was. But what was fucked is the thing that I was scared of most was my parents finding out, Mm. which is fucked. And I mean, it absolutely contributes to how I parent and why my number one thing that I always want for my kids is that open lines of communication where they always know that they can tell me anything and that they can call me anytime and I will come get them. No questions asked. And this is why it's also very important to instill in our children that sex is not shameful. Yes. And that also, you know, consent and whatever sexual education they are receiving, yeah. you have some sort of say in it. Whether that they want to watch pornography, yeah. give them some great fucking pornography to watch. Okay? Honestly, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. My boys want to watch some stuff. Yeah. You're going to watch this. But like, honestly. Yeah. We need to have, we need to instill that it is not shameful because so many of us who have experienced sexual trauma at young ages feel the fear of our mm. parents finding out because They're... we don't want them to think any less of us. Yeah, and I remember the other thing that made it really confusing and weird for me was, and this was my first, like, other than a hand job, this was my first, like, sexual experience ever. And so the, which was lord over me, the, the you're just saying that it's not because you want to stay a virgin. Um, but the thing that I that was really hard that I remembered is because this person came, came and flew to see me, there was this, oh. I felt responsible and I felt like I had to then meet him the next day. And so I, I met up with him again the next day and it ended up being like this weird sexual eating out situation where I was like, I don't, like I feel like I have to do this. Well, the entire time I was just dying inside. And then because I was like, well, I said yes to this. So what does that mean? It was, just, And it's like being 18. I'm like, I, what? My brain can't comprehend or deal with those things. But it's so weird. Like, it's so weird. Because I haven't thought about this in, in a million years until that the Me Too movement happened. Yeah. And then... But what's in, you know what? What's interesting is when the Me Too movement thing happened, I think I only connected to the second time and didn't really delve back into the first time because now I'm like, whoa, mm. <laughs> whoa, that's a little more fucked than I remember. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's. That's also, yeah, one of the hard things 
about traumas, the things that you bury. And how we rationalize things. Yep. Like, we make so many excuses for things. Um, Especially if you're in an environment where you feel you can't share without judgment. Right? Yeah. Are you are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm okay. I, it's okay. gonna be an interesting thing to like. Yeah. Process out over the next. Few I, days. I I I want to say like you know <laughs> I want to be like are you, okay don't forget to do this the X Y and Z to help you know <laughs> the, yeah but I know that you know what to do. <laughs> I'm not just gonna be like oh let's put that back in Pandora's box. <laughs> Shut the door on that shit. I'm like yeah. oh. Okay. You might have some interesting uh, emotional sex later, or just cry a lot. <laughs> that might happen. Um, that's so interesting. Crying is good too. Crying, Crying is so is good. Fucking great. I totally didn't ex- expect or anticipate that coming out because it was literally blocked from my memory. Well, that was interesting. I, but yeah. But I like even that. And not to, like, explain things away or make them better or, like, throw fucking glitter on that shit. No. But even that experience, like, pushed me into a different trajectory. Like, it was this... Mm-hmm. This really unfortunate wake-up call. Yeah. Right? That I would prefer never happen to anybody. Right? And it it's... um. The really big one for me, my big like, oh fuck, I really need to change things because both situations were a big wake up call. Were both of my sexual traumas involved friends either bearing witness or like having a big hand in the situation, and it was that was my big moment to sit down and be like, if these are the people that I'm allowing in my space. Who will not help me in when I need them? Mm. What the fuck am I doing with my life? Mm. Like, what am I doing? Why is this happening? Um, my first thought when you say that is, they may have been just as scared as you, and not knowing how to process this, and how. Because we don't receive an education about how to help someone when they are in a, um, I don't want to say violent, but I guess I'll just say a, a difficult situation. Mm. We don't, we yes. don't, yeah. Absolutely, yes. There's, there, yes, um, but also no, like the, the, the latter in, in so the second, my second experience it, there, it wasn't just the, what happened. It was the denial of the friend oh, and they yeah. disowned me oh, and told okay. everyone that I was stealing their drugs. Ugh. And so it was it, like, like in the moment. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the after. After? Mm-mm. That, that's, that's not what you should be doing. Uh, no. Right? So it's, but it was, it was a, a necessity for me in some ways. The one thing that um, I, uh, 
something that I've learned lately um, was uh, it was actually from the MILF manual and it was um, in there there was women talking about you know the rise of Tinder and going on dates and they were mm-hmm. asking like what do you do if you're Spirit in a situation where you don't feel comfortable you don't feel safe and so women were giving other women advice about what to do and one woman I remember her saying that her and her girlfriends have this amazing understanding that when one of them goes, when one of them has a date plan with someone they don't know, all of their friends know about it prior. They know all the details, where they're going, the person's name, all the phone numbers. And then the, the girl who's going on the date also gives her friend a safe word. Mm. And all she has to do is either call and say that safe word or text it, whatever it is. And the friend knows exactly what to do. They already have a list of what to do. They know who to call and know where to go. They know where to drive. Mm. And if they can't do it, the next friend does it. And I was like, that is so fucking genius. And I wish that that was something that me and my girlfriends had when mm. we were teenagers. I also, <sighs> I also wish it was something we didn't need. Right? Like how. Uh, absolutely. Fucked. Is it that this is something that we require? But then that stems that that comes back to the sexual sexual education Absolutely. of our child, children. Absolutely. Starting young, changing what hap- is happening in the schools, yeah. changing the narrative, having raw, open, honest conversations, talking about the pornography they're consuming. Mm. Like, ugh. I feel like we can talk in circles about sexual. This yeah, sexual education and pornography is something that I'm very, very passionate right? about. I'm also yeah. Also, as like an an energetically sensitive person, I just had this really great conversation with a good friend of mine um, last week over dinner. We were talking about um, the sexual energetic exchange, and so it's like even watching, even in watching pornography, there's like this this very mild like imprint. And it's, it's weird. Like, it's hard to explain if you've never experienced it, Mm. but it's, it's like every time I'm consuming, I'm like taking a piece of that interaction with me Mm. and it's like embedded on me. And Mm. so if it's, if it's not positive Mm. or something that's, that's positive for me, then I'm, I'm then having to like carry that and process it Mm. in some way. Hmm. There's a cat right there. (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I did not consent to that Batman. <laughs> Though, speaking of consent, like that's a big conversation we're having with Alexis right now. I, so you witnessed that. I bear that. witness to it. And I, I, was, I wanted to clap, but not clap because <laughs> not the moment. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was... Right? Yeah. So we're having, we're kind of taking a little bit of the approach that that Sam mentioned in this body safety. Because um, we've had a lot of conversations about her being naked in public lately. Mm-hmm. Which is... I love that she's she's so comfortable in her body that it's not even a thing. Mm-hmm. But we're having the conversation of, well, other people aren't going to feel safe in their body if you were out in public naked. And mommy doesn't go to the grocery store naked. And I don't hang out. I was like, I hang out out back without a shirt on. Mm-hmm. But I don't hang out up front without a yeah. shirt on. Because that's, the public is there. It's not our private space. It's not our safe space. And so it's not fair to put people in that vulnerable position if they're not consenting to being that vulnerable position. Yeah. So yes, share your body. Yes, be proud. Yes, baby. Like, do it all. Um, but make sure that everyone in the space is consenting yeah. to that. Yeah. 
So there's that. And then there's respect my body and you're making me feel unsafe in my body. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, she's very, she has high physical needs and needs attention. And so when people come over, it's always really hard for her. And it was time for her to go to bed and she, it's, it's weird. Like kids kind of like flip off oh. and they, it, they go into this weird, like primal brain where you know that they're not hearing your words. Like, you know that it's not landing and you need to, like, help bring them back in. Yeah. But sometimes it's really hard. And so you can hear that she's hearing you, but it's not landing. Mm -hmm. And so she was grabbing at me. And this is a frequent thing. Like, grabbing at me. I want to hug you. 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 And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I do not want to hug you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're not listening to me. And I don't feel safe in my body right now. And mm-hmm. if I see that you're having trouble listening to me and respecting my body, I'm going to let you know one more time. Mm-hmm. I don't feel safe in my body with you doing this. Please stop. Yeah. If not, I will have to move you or daddy will grab you or somebody will like, you will be removed from my safe space and yeah. this situation. Oh, it's hard, but it's, that's the start. It's consent. Yep. Like this is, this is important. And like little things, like when they say, don't tickle me. Yeah. Like, no, mm-hmm. even if they're kidding, cause kids say no a lot and they're joking. But even if I know she's joking, I stop Yeah. immediately and I wait until there's like, okay, do it again. Or I'll say, do you want me to do it again? Mm-hmm. If I don't get a fucking enthusiastic yes, doesn't happen. There you go. Doesn't happen. As it shouldn't. That's fucking awesome. Right? Everyone needs to be doing that. Everybody. It's where it starts. And it's not like any gender. Yep. Any yep. gender. Yeah, I do it with my boys. It's funny. When Sam said the safe space thing, I've started yeah. emphasizing that with Henry. It's huge. Game huge. changer. Huge. Yeah. And we've always done we've always done safe in my body. Yeah. Like I've always said, like you're making me feel unsafe in my body, or mm-hmm. I'm feeling unsafe in my body, or mm-hmm. Fallon is looking uncomfortable in her body, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've not done it in the sense of outside, like public spaces, mm. and how we interact in public spaces. Yeah. Right. Because home is our safe space. We can do whatever yeah. we want in our safe space, and there's other spaces that will will be deemed safe spaces like friends houses and yeah. private beaches and other things like that but yep yeah. yeah we literally just had this conversation with henry yesterday he was bouncing on the bed and i called a penis dance because he was naked mm. and he makes his penis go up and down <laughs> That's jumping cute. up and down it's so funny and i was like as we're in the middle i was like baby you're gonna make your penis dance and he was like yeah he started doing it. i was like wait wait, wait. i just want to remind you that this is a safe space yeah. and that you making your penis dance in the house is okay. Cause this is a safe space. I was like, but outside our house, it's not a safe space to do that in front of other people. Mm. And I was like really trying to like drill it into it. I was like, do you understand Henry? And he's like, yes, mama. <laughs> Don't do this at the barbecue. Next yeah, like, he's like, yes, mama. I was like, all right, baby, make that penis dance. Yes! <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I think it's important to establish safe spaces for kids yeah and use the correct terminology for the genitalia oh my god yes. don't say willy it's not a beaver no don't it's not say your clam. Peter. say penis testicles vulva vagina anus taint all taint, those taint your business yeah all those words <gasps> that needs to be a quote taint your business 
Oh, by the way, I've started designing the cunnilingus. Yeah! Yes! <laughs> cunnilingus! <laughs> Love that, that we can go from talking about sexual trauma <laughs> to cunnilingus, bitch! I thought, I was like, fuck it. We want this t-shirt, man. I'm just gonna put it oh out there. God, if you yes. wanna buy it, Oh my god, money. yes, 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 bitch. Yes, bitch, yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm saying that. Night. Oh. Oh. Well, maybe on that note. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So good. So great. I'm glad, I'm glad that we had this conversation. Me too. Uh, I, like... It's so it's so vital and it's so important because we need to be giving each other permission to share yeah. our stories. And that doesn't mean, and again, I want to say this so fucking clear as day, that does not mean if you're not ready to share your story that you're not healing or you're not, you don't you're not have part some, of the conversation. Right? Like that's, no, you can be part of the conversation and be a silent member. Yep. You do not need to share anything you're right? not comfortable sharing. Exactly. And... Your story is valid even if nobody fucking hears it. Absolutely. Right? Um, but if you are ready to share, um, do it. Stand up. Share. Even just letting letting people, letting not letting people know, but just like declaring that for yourself. For yourself. Because there is this power in yep. accepting what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Right, And I also want to say something else that I learned about myself for the past year is that my sexual trauma does not define me. Mm-hmm. My past mm-hmm. does not define me. Well, my heart condition does not fucking define no. me at all. It is, it is a piece of what, what has shaped me, yep. but it does not define me. I am not no. just, I am not only no. uh, a sexual assault survivor. I am not only, uh, a congenital heart warrior. I am not only a mother. I am not only a sister, a daughter, whatever. Yeah. Your worth is not based on your experiences. Mm. 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 And that's, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> yeah. I just want to, I really want to drill that home. Cause that's something that was really important for me to, to understand about myself Yeah, and about my stories and that they do not define me at all. hundred percent. So yeah. hundred percent. On that note, Peace fucking out. Uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, share the good word with your friends. Subscribe. Fucking rate us. Give us a review. Share your love words with us. Take a fucking screenshot. And story share the shit out of it. Story share. Oh, and if you really want to help us keep creating juicy content. Oh, if you want to keep us wet and hot. Oh, so wet. <laughs> Then you need to get your buns over to Patreon. Become our patron. Because we have been talking for weeks about some of the juicy shit that we're going to be putting on there for you. As well as the perks that Mm -hmm. we have lined up for our tiers for you Mm -hmm. amazing folks. Fuck yeah. So, make it happen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Momgasm podcast. Are you craving a little bit more of Momgasm? Are you maybe daydreaming about getting away to a quiet little part of the world to connect with yourself and other badass bitches? Well, guess what? You should come to our first retreat. We are hosting a weekend retreat this September at Windhorse Farms here in Nova Scotia. 
Together, Lindsay and I are going to cultivate some space just for you and the other badass bitches to get interested in yourself and your own brand of sexy through self-exploration, movement, breath, art, community, conversation, dance parties, and so much fucking more. Whether you're simply needing a getaway to recharge or you're ready to dive headfirst into a more vibrant connection with you, we've got you. We're almost sold out. So follow the Facebook link in our description for pricing and more details. But with that being said, if you want to come to the retreat, but you can't afford it, we get it. Sometimes you're called to something that just doesn't feel financially possible. We absolutely have been there. If you are in this position, do not fret. We are opening up submissions for a partial scholarship. We want to give at least one of you, our lovely, loyal, sexy listeners, the opportunity to come with a little financial assistance from us. We can't cover everything, but we can knock a good chunk off to make it a little bit more accessible for you. You can apply. To do this, send us an email at momgasmpodcast at gmail.com along with why you're called to this experience and what this scholarship would mean for you. Submissions will remain open until Friday, August 16th, and we will personally contact those selected no later than August 23rd. But one last thing before you go, I have one more little thing to say. It's kind of a big thing. The Momgasm podcast is in the final round of voting for Best of Halifax 2019. Do you love us? Do you support what we're doing at Momgasm? Do you like seeing two badass mama jammas unapologetically doing their thing? Then you gotta go vote. I'm serious. We are so fucking excited for making it to the final round. But we want to see you mom, guys, and make it to the end and take home gold, baby. Yeah, gold. It would generally mean the world to us. And it's a simply a powerful way to reaffirm this wild and crazy beautiful thing we are doing with this podcast. So go now and vote. Please, 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 please. Even if you don't live in Halifax, follow the link in our description. And actually, that's all I got for you. So... Yeah, go vote, come to the retreat, and subscribe. Subscribe, 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 blah, blah, blah. Subscribe, please. That's the only way that you're going to know of the newest episodes coming out from Momgasm. So make sure you subscribe, you like, you share, you review, you do all those wonderful things. And that's it. We love you. Mwah. <laughs>